you're listening to The Association Show. My name is Torben Grosser. And I'm Katrina Franzoy. In this episode, you will get to listen to Kate Lesniak from HubSpot and their session, The Internet is Eating Your Lunch. If you're wondering what the point is of offering presentations as a podcast, please go back to episode zero, where I take more time to explain how exactly we got here. But before we begin with the session, let us provide you with some context on why we chose the structure of this session. Okay, so here it goes. In my research for the association show, I found that a lot of associations were struggling to get their content out to the right people. They were producing lots of really high quality content, but none of that got properly distributed to the right audience. And this problem got worse during the pandemic since suddenly association content output went into hyperdrive. Um, speaking to Martin Sirk in my research, I learned that the smarter associations managed to actually by now produce less content, but keep it fresh and distribute it really well. So I was on a mission to find out who can tell us a little bit more about how to do that. And on just a completely different note, I mentioned the association show over dinner with my brother-in-law, who he himself is a librarian. And by the way, librarians are the coolest people on on the planet. If I want anybody to survive this COVID pandemic, it's it's um, at rebuild the planet from scratch. It is librarians. They are the best. I, I mean it. They have a very unique and interesting way of understanding how things work and, and, and how they're interconnected. Anyway, when I told him about how I thought nobody has ever put effort into systematically distributing content, he gave me a really cold look and pointed out that librarians, for the better part of the last 5,000 years or so, have been doing nothing but that. I was baffled. So obviously librarians were our answer. <laughs> I love when you pointed this out because I remember reading your research on this. And when I read Librarians, it, it, it didn't really click right away because I think in this technology era, uh, like really, when was the last time I walked into a library, like let alone even thought about one. But then when I like sat with it for, for a second and, and thought about libraries, it, what came to my mind is that library in Alexandria in Egypt that was so it was erected as a commemoration to the library of Alexandria that was lost in antiquity like years and years ago and uh, I saw a documentary on it once and they said that every day that particular library archives the internet like the entire internet it archives so then it was like a kind of like a facepalm moment and I was like oh yeah duh of course this makes so much sense to talk to a librarian and as it was mentioned in a previous episode that when a professional tells you something you would be smart to listen to them so yeah and I went ahead and messaged a few library associations to see how the idea resonated with them and nobody ever wrote back to me Womp womp. Yeah. Uh, la lamenting to my brother-in-law who came up with that idea, he pointed out that librarians are super smart, but they also don't tend to seek out public attention. And maybe I needed to meet my potential partners in person first before I could approach them via email. And that was not going to happen in time for this episode. So instead, I went with plan B. If there is someone in the industry that knows how to get content out to people, 
It's the uh, Boston, or, or I think they're from Cambridge company, uh, HubSpot. And I recently got introduced to Kate Lesniak, who is working exclusively with not-for-profit associations at HubSpot. And they themselves, they're actually a passionate campaigner and association professional. So Kate would be a great fit because uh, they came from the association world, but also bring that really, really strong content background. And also creating the session was quite interesting. Uh, it was not like Kate had a session ready to go. I explained the issues that I found in the research about the associations. And then Kate analyzed the problems and came up with fitting content, which was really, really cool. So. Here's Kate Lesnick with The Internet is Eating Your Lunch. Let's outsmart it together. Enjoy, everyone. Welcome to our conversation on content strategy that feeds your audience and your organization. Uh, it's still early here in Portland, Oregon, where I am, but I hope this conversation can get us excited about what we can do together to maximize content strategy and improve revenue for all of our organizations. Today, um, we're going to pack a lot into 20 minutes. Um, we want to review and kind of get a, a sense of the trends and the landscape that we're working under. We want to get inspired and learn how to apply some, some lessons here. And we want to prove that those lessons work to our colleagues and to our friends. And ultimately, I want to make sure that we leave you with some inspiration and some quick ideas to explore right away. Um, so without further ado, let's get started in the conversation. First, I, I just want to take a quick moment to introduce myself. Um, as Katrina said, I'm Kate Lesniak. I'm the senior manager for HubSpot for Nonprofits. Um, at my core, I'm a strategist for change. I've been involved in scalable digital products and organizations for 15 years, uh, first as an organizer, a field organizer working in the United States, um, and then ultimately as a fundraiser, as a product developer, as an editor, and many other things. Um, I'm excited to be in this conversation with you all today because content is incredible. It has the power to fuel our organizations if we can develop the best and right products for our audiences. So let's talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. Um, quickly and a little bit about HubSpot. If you haven't heard of us before, we are an inbound marketing and sales, or in the case of associations and nonprofits, we are a membership and fundraising platform that helps organizations to attract new supporters and increase engagement and revenue. We do this by bringing all of your systems to the same place and to really crafting an experience uh, for, for nonprofits and organizations and associations. Um, excited to join you all in the chat. Um, please ask questions, interrupt, whatever you'd like to do. Um, And uh, let's have a great conversation today about content and content strategy. So let's ground ourselves. At this point, we all know that user experience in terms of content is queen, right? We're seeing the merging of worlds between for-profit and nonprofit activities. And the bar for how people expect us as associations and nonprofits to interact with them is, is extremely high in the digital environment. We're used to one touch and touchless payments, incredibly well-produced events like this one. We're used to products that are targeted to us perfectly with beautiful ads through social media and uh, based on our deepest user behaviors. Um, and ultimately we're used to content load times that are lightning fast. We will wait for nothing for a page to load that we're probably not going to read anyway because we were just going to skim it. Uh, at this point, anything less than, than this excellent and performant experience is a barrier to engagement. Um, today, we're going to talk about how to overcome that. So you may have seen this diagram before, but if not, let me, let me situate us together. This is something called a flywheel. And the flywheel represents a user's journey from stranger to promoter, right? You, you often see this as a line. But at HubSpot, we believe that instead of a funnel or a line, we're going to keep momentum going with a wheel. 
We have three stages. We're going to attract, engage, and delight audiences from, from stranger all the way to, to promoter. And what fuels this wheel is content and user experience. That's what really makes this thing fly. As associations and nonprofits, we're doing a great job on developing content that attracts that first stage, right? We create tons of content. And I mean, we're doing a really, really, really great job. So let's talk about that. In fact, on WordPress alone, every single month, 70 million new pieces of content are generated. Nonprofits, associations, we make up 60%. We use WordPress 60% of the time. So WordPress is an incredibly popular CMS. This stat of 70 million new pieces of content per month is totally relevant. I'm gonna give us a gold star on content generation. And, and then the other good news, right, is that 90% of nonprofits and associations are collecting data somewhere in the attract and engage process. So we know that we've got to produce this great content and we know that when we bring people to the content, we've got to ask some sort of question or collect some sort of data in order to make it worth it. But, but actually, when it comes to employing that data, we collected when we attracted someone to our, our organization, to our event, to our site, and we engaged our audiences, right? And we bring them to the delight stage. Um, we're not doing such a great job when it comes to converting using that data. 49% of folks don't know how their organization actually collects the data. So we're collecting it, but we're not sure how. And, and this is a big piece of the missing puzzle, a missing puzzle here, right? Because we have to know how we're collecting data to actually apply it. And 55% of folks feel that they need more experience using and analyzing data. Of course, we all kind of feel this way. There's so much data out there that it almost feels like there's nothing we can do with it at some times. Ultimately, just 5% of organizations are using data in every decision they make. And to be honest, I can't imagine using data in absolutely every single decision. So this 5% is incredible. Please send these folks my way. Ultimately, the good news here is that probably much like you, 95% of organizations would like to use better data to inform their work. Um, these numbers come from a, an organization called Every Action that HubSpot did some research with a couple of years ago, but they haven't shifted much over the past couple of years. They're incredibly striking and they tell a really clear picture. We're collecting data, we need to use it better, we need to understand how to use it better to our advantage. But I've said data a lot and I just wanna ground us, this talk isn't about data, it's about content, right? We all agree that there's distance to cover, we're not alone in that feeling. We're not here because we have a dispute about content generation. We're here because we all wanna know how we can do more with that content. And that's where data comes in, that's why I'm talking about it so much right now. So this is a classic user journey, right? We need to understand what's working, how to piece it all together, and most importantly, how to communicate that clearly to the right audiences at the right time. Let's talk about how to make content machines, which we're really good at, into conversion machines, which as an industry, as organizations, we can do better. So this diagram may be something you've seen before in the past. It shows an extremely simplified typical user journey from anonymous, I don't know what's going on, I have a question that I need an answer to and I've Googled it or I've arrived somehow at this association because I have an affinity for the membership here, to a super fan, someone who is both willing to pay for whatever the cost is to access your product and has the activation energy to find it, right? We're not just talking about casual fans, we're talking about super fans. As associations and nonprofits, we don't just want people reading our content and bouncing away. We don't want them to come to one event. We don't want them to engage with us once because we know renewal rates will be lower. We want to move them from casual fans, I have a question and I answered it through this association or I feel an affinity to this association, to super fans. We want our flywheel, right, what we talked about earlier, to fuel itself not just with content, 
at the attract stage, but with super fans who bring in casual fans through the delight stage. So this is David Shit from Shit's Creek, one of my favorite programs. Thank you, Canada, for this. Um, I want to just say, yes, this is correct. We're grounded in the same thing. Let's dive into specifics. So first, I want to get started with a little organization making great content into scalable conversions um, based out of New York City. This is a tiny organization you may have heard of, of before. It's the New York Times. This small organization, which is global actually, and has impressed us all over the past five years with its incredible content machine, has more content and more subscribers, which we as associations can kind of think conveniently of as members or donors for our purposes today, than anybody out there. The New York Times has absolutely aced the idea of crafting content into a revenue machine and converting those casual fans, people who kind of care about the news, into super fans who are deeply engaged with their products, their events, their experiences. I think even though we're, we're, we're speaking maybe to an audience based on Canada, the Times is a light that we can watch. I have friends at the Globe and Mail who are, are looking at uh, the New York Times as well. So let's ground ourselves in their success. Just last week, uh, the Times reported 455,000 new digital subscriptions in the third quarter of this year. A gain that keeps them on track to have 10 million subscriptions by 2025. Now, what's really key to us in our conversation about content today is that only 320,000 of those people signed up for the Times journalism product, meaning they care about reading the news. 30%, a full 30% of those people were attracted to the Times as subscriptions through games, cooking, or wire cutter subscriptions, right? So these are completely adjacent content products developed from paying close attention to where casual fans and super fans were spending their time. It's actually also rumored that the New York Times is gonna come out with a parenting product as well, another adjacent content product that is completely kind of an addendum to their mission of seeking the truth and helping people understand the world. So let's talk about how this can apply to your organization. Let's just dive a little bit more into what they've done. So revenue through content production for the New York Times has been driven by these content-based products and there are details that we can get into around pricing strategy and bundling that we won't have time to dig into today. But the big takeaway for associations here and nonprofits is this. The Times knows because they're ruthlessly evaluating data at every step of the user journey, what content and offers are likely to convert. They're not just creating a gaming app and a cooking app and a really great news app because they think it's good for their brand. They're doing it because it's driving enormous revenue, right? 30%, a full 30% of their subscriptions in Q3 were driven by cooking and gaming. One of their biggest flywheel delight tactics is also, and this is especially relevant for associations, that at the point of renewal for any one of these subscription products, they offer a free bonus subscription to a family member or a friend thereby expanding their interest base of casual fans, right, through using super fans in this connectivity. Now this membership and subscription tactic is not new, but the Times have aced it, has aced it through great user experience. Let's talk about why this is so exciting for us as well. Well, the top three tactics for driving membership for associations are referral from a friend, email, and your organization's website, AKA your content machine. What's more, the top reasons that people join associations, and this is according to Marketing General, is to network with their peers, learn about their industry's best practices, and access specialized information. 
this is perfect. These are perfect conditions for a content strategy that drives revenue in a subscription referral program that makes our flywheel fly. So how are we gonna do it? Well, the Times attributed it to three things, right? Retention of subscribers, new initiatives, and turning casual reader readers into paying customers. So these are the tenets that we're gonna build our great content strategy and revenue generator on top of. We spend a lot of time digging into strategy. One of the, one of the patterns that we've been tracking and talking about all year is kind of consolidation and approach, how we can avoid the noise and try truly understand what's working. So together, let's dive into something that's a crafted content strategy, not cobbled. First, we have to decide what we're going to spend our time and resources on. And so these are two insights that I wanna share with you both, with all of you, that will help us understand as associations what's important this year. So this quote says, organizations whose members recognize their value proposition reported higher renewal rates than those members who don't recognize their value proposition, right? So we have to get clear on what we are offering to potential members and to existing members. We have to get clear on how we do that. And by understanding what is resonating and, dis and distilling it for our audiences, we'll be able to do this. So focusing first on this is critically important to getting our product strategy and our content strategy right. The next thing is that associations see that are in new members in the past year are more likely to have invested in increased budget in all phases of the membership life cycle. So not just creating content, but every step of that flywheel. And often with organizations, in my experience, we see an enormous enthusiasm for new content, for generating new content, but a lack and kind of a tail end and trail off when it comes to converting that those, those users through content into subscribers or to members and ultimately renewing those folks. So at your organization, you both have to deeply understand the value proposition of your content, communicate it clearly, and then ultimately be able to invest in every step of the membership lifecycle if you want to have a great content and revenue generation machine. Now, before you take any steps towards a great content strategy, it's critically important to get alignment at your organization or association on these two points. What are our value propositions and where are we gonna make investments so that building content is worth it to us at the full cycle? So here are three questions and three steps to take to get started on the right foot. These are focused and strategic planning questions for content strategy that really flies. A, number one, what content is sticky? What, what are people coming to and why are they staying at each stage? And how do we know that? Two, what new content do our primary audiences want from us? If we're gonna develop something new, how will we know that we want, that our audiences want that, that members want that? And how are we gonna find out what is our strategy for actually asking and finding out? And three, what products can we develop to capitalize on these two opportunities? What's already sticky and what might be sticky in the future? And how are we gonna package and present them in a way that really capitalizes on user experience and streamlines it? Well, the first step is to really understand how content fits within your user journey. And so I recognize this graphic is not at all oriented, right, to, to a huge audience and, and there's many words on this slide. So let me do a quick transition to get us kind of all situated together. This is a funnel. And at the top of the funnel, you see content that reaches new audiences and makes them aware of your causes and problems that you want to solve. It provides a lot of quick information that keeps folks engaged and gives them an awareness of your organization. This is things like our blog posts, our social media updates, our photographs, kind of microsites and audio podcasts, right? It's meant to say, we're here, we can help you answer your questions. Keep us in mind. That content is great. 
it's where we spend a lot of our time. Then we've got the middle of the funnel content. This content should really be looking to deepen engagement, whether it's an event, like what we're focused on as associations, an online training, a volunteer opportunity, a survey or a quiz. It's looking to capture information and begin to, to develop a reciprocal relationship with members, right? You're not just here because you're interested in our answers, you're here because you're interested in us. This is where we start to begin to convert new leads. And then ultimately, there's kind of the bottom of the funnel, right? Content that happens right before a gift or a membership is purchased. This could be a specific to a campaign or a digital pedal raise or something like that at an event. This is the ultimate place that we want most of our, our, our attracted members to land. Now, these are acronyms that we use all the time in the industry, tofu, mofu, and bofu. And what I would posit is that we should spend more time thinking about where our content that we're creating will fit into each piece of this funnel. And we should be looking at how much content we're creating for conversions adjacent to how much content we're creating for that top of funnel awareness stage, because conversions are really what we need to look at in terms of how content is valuable to us. So, Here's what to look at when you're evaluating content for stage worthiness. This means, okay, I've got 200 pieces of content or last year I created 300 pieces of content or 20 pieces of content. How can I understand how they're a good fit for each stage? These are KPIs, these are indicators of success for your content analysis that you can pull from your Google Analytics or whatever platform you're using to evaluate your content. At that top of funnel, you're gonna look at number of views, time on page, entrance rates to compare to, to other content on the site, things like that, scroll depth. You're gonna look at next page path in that middle of funnel. Is this driving somebody to the next piece of content in our ecosystem? You're gonna look at free offer downloads and event attendance, things like that. And ultimately for that bottom of funnel, of course, we know we're looking at memberships purchased, conversion rates, lifetime value kind of in hindsight. And now here I'm adding one that is an acronym that many people probably have not heard of because I made it up, ROFU, which is return of funnel, right? It's coming back to that flywheel. There we might be looking for data like net promoter score, kind of customer dollar retention, and then referrals. How well is this content going to let us bring people back into the fold or renew? Now, all of these things can be done, all of this tracking can be done with something called attribution. So once we know what indicators we're looking for, we want to develop a model as content strategists of attribution so we can be begin to understand what works for users and their experience at each part of the funnel. That is, when is a lead generated, which touch point on content tells us something about why they came in. Attribution simply means giving credit. It reports and gives credit to a certain interaction, a certain piece of content, a certain event, something that you've brought forward. What's important here is that we understand that tracking these back, these interactions back to a user conversion is critical to understanding what content performs best and where. We'll start simple here because we just have a couple minutes left. There are two very simple ways to get started on attribution tracking if it's something you're not already doing as an organization. There's first touch attribution or the answer to, I need to know which of our efforts are driving the most revenue and the door for our cause, right? The pros here is that it's really easy. This is like, what's generating the most page views? What's generating the most content for, for you? And which of these page views is attributed to the conversion for your record? This is really simple. Cons here are that it's impossible to know to what extent this first interaction contributed to a final conversion, which brings us to the next type really simple attribution tracking. There's last touch attribution tracking, which answers the question, which part of our fundraising process or marketing asset is most helpful in actually converting folks to donors or members? 
This is the simplest and most accurate model for attribution systems. Uh, it helps us measure the last point or the thing that we think is the biggest motivator to somebody finally purchasing a membership, finally attending an event, something like that. Now, this is not a great fit for long marketing and fundraising cycles, for an annual fundraising cycle, right? Because it only tells us about the last point or the last piece of content that modeled uh, a person's engagement with us. But these are still two really great ways to get started with understanding which pieces of content are helping people come to your organization and tracking it to a conversion or convert. So there's so much more we can explore in attribution models, but today's primer is all we have time for. And that's it. I just want to leave you with a couple of thoughts so you can kind of take this framework back to your organization and get started right away. Remember this or learn this one new thing today if you remember just one thing. We know oftentimes that folks at associations and nonprofits are wearing so many hats and that it's hard to take a step back and think about a new or different way to evaluate how to best set your organization up for success with content. So start here. Take the time to evaluate and set up measurement for existing content with a single touch attribution model, whether it's first or last. And then take the time to develop and test new products that display your value proposition clearly. Is it clear to your members and audiences why they should join? Remember, that's absolutely critical to whether or not they decide to continue to stay or renew with you all. And then ultimately remember, more content is not better content. Better content is actually measurable content, content that you can track back to the conversions or attraction of your organization. So lastly, this is my favorite thing to do. Let's say you already know everything about content strategy and attribution, right? Everything that I've, I've shared with you up to this point is something that you, you've already got in the bag. Let me leave you with a few sparks to ignite your thinking and maybe even investments at your organization. The first is that faster sites have higher conversion rates. So if you want better content that converts, focus on page load time, reduce image sizes, make sure that you're optimizing each page. The next is that accessible content is more searchable to bots, right? We're talking about alt text, captions, correct content structures. Accessibility is good for your organization. It's good for distribution. Look at your site's accessibility. The next is that content strategies that center user language drive more conversions. So if your association is speaking to its potential members or existing members in language that's specific to the way your organization functions and not to what users need and are looking for, it's time to speak plainly and update your content strategy in words that most people can understand. And then lastly, or actually there's a couple, two more, landing pages with offer, offers have higher conversion rates. Make sure you use them. Get a really clear landing page that has an offer or an attendance or something like that out into, the, out into your content ecosystem. And lastly, personal narrative products are on the rise. We're seeing an enormous spike in investments from editors and publishers who are using Substack and just absolutely connecting with audiences on a personal level. So think about how personal connections through individual personalities from your organization can scale through digital and newsletter programming. So that's all I have time for today. I just wanna thank the association, the association program and Event Moby here for having me. Please keep in touch and explore HubSpot for nonprofits. We're at hubspot.com slash nonprofits. If you have questions, you can literally email us. And you can find me of course on the all encompassing platform for individuals, LinkedIn. I'm at linkedin.com slash Kate Lesniak. So thank you all. And I hope you got something out of today's conversation. And that's Kate everyone. The Association Show is a production by EventMobi, hosted by me, Torben Grosser, and Katrina Franzoy. Katrina is also our lead producer. I'm the executive producer. Video and audio editing by Francisco Sietzkowski. Livestream production by Ryan Sterno and Nathan Roberts. 
graphic design by Queenie Xu and Ji Nim. You can find the association show everywhere you get your podcast from and on eventmovie.com slash the association show. Thank you for listening. Thanks, everyone.